I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit puts together the things that we experience in his kingdom and in his church. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful Easter week. At least I see that, and I think many of you saw that. We struggled with the struggle of Jesus Christ during that week. We celebrated the resurrection. And now we're back to the Sermon on the Mount. And as we get back to the Sermon on the Mount, we are going to look for the next three weeks at prayer. Now, I trust that everybody in here prays. Yeah? Do you pray enough? Do I pray enough? <laughs> or do I get too busy with all of my other stuff? And I'm challenging myself as I say that even as I'm challenging you. However, we're going to look at prayer and we're going to look at it very deeply. We're going to look at it in the context of the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus had to say about it. And the reason that I'm so pleased about how the Holy Spirit puts these things together is because just two weeks ago, there were 75 of you, for which I was very thankful, that came on a Saturday morning and spent four hours <laughs> in a communication experience, communicating with the Lord in prayer and communicating with each other about God's church here at King's Grand. And I'm holding before you the book that I used a great deal to teach and lead some of that experience just two weeks ago. This is called Transforming Prayer. That's the name of the book, and I would love it if you wrote that name down and found it. And it's written by a man by the name of Daniel Henderson, and in this book, he has introduced to me several years ago, well, the book is not that old, and the, the process of uh, transforming prayer or even what we will call worship-based prayer. It's not a, a, a long-standing thing as far as this book is concerned. This book was written just 12 years ago. But I'm going to tell you in a minute that transforming prayer and worship-based prayer has been with us for hundreds of years. But if you can find this book, please do. And today, we're going to take things from that and mainly from Scripture. So if you get your Bible, today is going to be a Bible study. And I love that. But one of the reasons I'm wearing this mic is because i got to read a lot. And I got my little book here, and it's got scripture all in it, and it's got God's spirit in it. And we're going to talk about worship-based prayer. And then we're going to talk about the foundation for that. And then the main thing we're going to talk about is that the foundation of worship-based prayer is absolutely the holiness of our Heavenly Father, that we declare that His name is holy. And this is part of our foundation. But in worship-based prayer, let me just say an introductory statement. One of the main things that it teaches us is that we need to seek God's face rather than just his hand. Now, I want you to think about that because we do a lot of seeking God's hand. We pray a lot on prayer requests and give us this and help us with that and do this and 
And sometimes we get so wrapped up in that, we even tell God what to do. Now, yes, you can chuckle at that because I do it and so do you. But that's not good because God is God and we're not. And so worship-based prayer is to seek Him and then we make our requests. Then we talk to Him about what we need. But in worship-based prayer, we need to understand that when we just seek His hand, meaning give me, give me, help me, help me, if we just seek His hand, then sometimes we're going to miss His face. We're going to miss the character and the attributes and the wonderment of what our Heavenly Father is. But when we seek His face and we get to know Him, and here's the words, more intimately and passionately as our Heavenly Father, as our God, if we seek His face, then surely He is certainly able and willing and wants to fulfill our deepest desires of our hearts. And so when we seek His face, the petitions that we have sometimes are already taken care of. Now, in this book, there are many testimonies, and I'm going to read one, and this is from a man by the name of Bill. That's all he's identified with, but he also was a missionary, or is still probably a missionary to Spain, and in the testimony, we're told that Bill had lost a very good friend. The friend had died. And as happens so much of the time, Bill, this man, are you, when you lose a loved one, you get angry at God. Now, it's not good and that's not right, but that's what happened to Bill here. And in his testimony in this book that I'm referring to, he tells us, Bill tells us, that he spent four years not praying at all. Now, remember, he was a missionary. He was a man called by God, a man placed by God to do mission work. But now four years, because he's angry at God and he's just upset because his good friend died, Bill spends four years not praying at all. But then he encounters this transforming prayer and this worship-based prayer, and here's what Bill said. He says, but God used worship-based prayer as a catalyst to bring me back to himself, to God. Worship-based prayer did more than teach me to pray. It revealed who God is. As I spent time seeing God and learning about his presence, I was transformed. While in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit reveals to my heart in five seconds that which never can be accomplished through years of my own human effort. Strangely, I began to enjoy prayer. As God changed my view of prayer, he also changed my view of himself. The more I learned about God's true character, the more I wanted to pray. I longed to trust in God, have greater faith, to know him better. Prayer became the cycle of growth in the pursuit of God. Now when I pray, Bill says, I pray on the basis of God's character and when I doubt, I cling to one of his attributes. Now, I want you to think about that because we're going to talk in just a minute about some of the attributes of God that we need to cling to. But he says that I cling to one of his attributes. 
By the time I get around to talking to God about my situation, he has already given me a peace that transcends all understanding. Prayer malfunctions when the worship aspects are removed. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Basically, this man who has discovered worship-based prayer and has come back to the Lord through this experience of prayer is saying that prayer malfunctions. It doesn't work when the worship aspects are removed. But worship-based prayer is effective because it takes our eyes off of ourselves and our situation and focuses them where they should be on the Most High God. And so we're going to talk today about the holiness of our Heavenly Father. Now, as I said a moment ago, worship-based prayer in this book is only maybe 11 or 12 years old. But worship-based prayer is 2,000 years old because what did Jesus say in Matthew, the 6th chapter, the ninth verse, and if you get your Bibles, you can look at that, or just hear me, because I'm going to go through several scripture passages here in the next 20 minutes. But in Matthew 6, 9, we're introduced to the model prayer, or to the Lord's Prayer, and it says, Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Now that phrase right there, holy, you know, we... In the King James, hallowed be thy name. But the basic statement is, holy is your name. We're talking to our Father. And right here at the beginning of this prayer, and it should be in you and me, and that's part of what I'm saying to you today, is there is a statement of absolute worship. We don't just turn to the Lord and say, Father... I need this and this and this and this and this and this and this. We got to put the, the honoring of our Heavenly Father to worship Him, to give praise, to give thanksgiving. That's worship-based prayer. And so right there at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us about worship-based prayer. Our Father, holy is your name. And that is a statement of worship because God certainly is holy. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk to you and help you to think about and share scripture with you from many places that talks about the holiness, the reality of our Heavenly Father being holy. Now, what does holy mean? I just share a definition Holy means exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in righteousness and goodness. Isn't that a description of Almighty God? Worthy, perfect, righteous, goodness. Holy is your name. Now what does scripture say about that? Psalm 99 verse 9. And just sort of hang on because we're going to go through a lot of scripture and to be honest, I'm more interested in you listening to what God's Word says than to even to what I say to you. But I will make some comments about these as we go along. But remember the emphasis and the fact that we're, what we're talking about today is in worship-based prayer 
we need to hold up first and foremost as a priority, a priority that Almighty God is holy. And we're to declare that in all sorts of ways and all sorts of his attributes and characteristics. And that's what scripture teaches us to do. And in Psalms 99.9, it says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Now, scripture is full. And I have picked some of these verses. They're powerful verses. They're celebratory verses. These verses celebrate the holiness of God. But these are only a few. I mean, I can't even imagine how many places in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the, the fact of God's holiness. But it says there in Psalms 99, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. In Exodus 15:11, it says, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Because God is holy. And then, in, all the way over in the book of Revelations, even in the, the end times and in the apocalyptic statements of the book of Revelations, in Revelations 4.8, it says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, and day and night they never stopped saying. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. A statement of the priority of Almighty God and the fact that he is holy. Now, these are just uh, two or three verses that indicate now even in the lord's prayer where do we start how do we address him what do we say to him we say our father now do you just take that for granted because you've heard it all of your life or do you really say father i want to come in submission and obedience to you i want to come in worship to you because when we say father Implied in all of that is this whole concept of relation, of relationships with Almighty God that you and I have the privilege of having. And please do not take that for granted. So even there in the address starting your prayer, when you say Father, think about what you say. Sometimes we say Lord, sometimes we say Father. I love to say Father. Uh, I know, I think about my heavenly father. I fortunately had a wonderful earthly father. But my heavenly father is much better than my earthly father. Because my heavenly father is perfect. And I want to declare his perfection. That's part of him being worthy. Part of him being holy. And I need to worship when I come in prayer. Now there are two or three places here that I want to share with you from scripture. That indicate how people addressed and how people came before their father. Now, the first one that I have referred to is from the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you remember correctly, several months ago, we spent three or four Sundays on the book of Nehemiah. And I want to remind you that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was a Jewish man in the Old Testament 
that was a man of prayer. Every time he started to decide something, Nehemiah would pray and ask for God's guidance. Well, now, here in the book of Nehemiah, in the ninth chapter, verse 6, listen to what these verses say and see the worship, see the, the honoring of Almighty God in this statement. It says, Blessed be your glorious name. And may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Now I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to read some more about that in a moment. But just think about that. Do you and I approach our Heavenly Father when we pray with that kind of statement? I'm not sure I do all the time. And I am still learning about worship-based prayer. And I am seeing the, the fruit that it's bringing about in me. But it says, blessed be your glorious name. And may it be exalted above all blessings and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Now, just let that soak in a minute. Isn't that amazing statements of worship and honoring to our Heavenly Father? And this is the beginning of a prayer from Nehemiah. And he is saying, blessed are you, Lord. You alone are the Lord. You made everything. You give life to everything. He is declaring the goodness of Almighty God. And then even Jesus himself, the Son. This is from Luke 10th chapter, verse 21. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, this is Jesus' statement, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Jesus himself is honoring the fact that God is God and God can do what he wants to, and he's now hidden something because it was his pleasure. He is expressing submission to the Father. And then in Acts 4, this is when Peter and John had been before the Sanhedrin. And now they had been released and they come back to their people. And it says in Acts 4, 23 and 24, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, meaning the people, the, the brothers and sisters of Peter and John, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to Almighty God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now my question to you and to me is, do we go into our prayer time with that kind of attitude of worship to Almighty God? And that's what this is all about. And remember, I'm not just taking it from this book in Daniel Henderson. This goes back to the very teachings of Jesus when he said, Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. He teaches us at the very outset. Next week we're going to go through the whole Lord's Prayer. But right now, unless we see this basic foundational part of it, Part of what I'm concerned about is, does our prayer life fall weak, ineffective, malfunctioning? But we need to honor the Lord. Now, His holiness is represented 
in some of his attributes, his perfections, if you would, his character. Now, there's some things that you already know about Almighty God that I'm going to remind you of, but part of what I am asking all of us to think about here today is when we come to a time of prayer, do you think about these attributes of Almighty God? Or do you just dive into prayer requests and asking for this and asking for that and saying this and please help so and so? Now, I'm not opposed to that, neither is the Lord. We're supposed to ask. We're supposed to come before our Father with requests. However, I am saying that part of, as I've studied all this and thought about all this, part of what I understand is that unless we lay the foundation of worship of praise, of thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father, then our request, well, I have to say this, I think they're a bit presumptuous. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we've not honored the one who gives to us and cares for us, if we've not worshipped and thanked him and put him in his proper place in our mind and in our spirit, and then we just dive into requests, Seems like that's pretty presumptuous. <coughs> Excuse me. So what I want to do right now is to remind you of some of the attributes from Scripture. Some of, I have five characteristics. There are many, 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 but five characteristics of Almighty God that I think we need to think about because it does indicate His holiness, and we're always coming back to that. Your name is holy. Holy is your name. His first attributes, he's omniscient. Omniscient, that's all-knowing. That means that God's characteristic, he's so powerful, he's almighty God, and he knows everything. Listen to these two scriptures. One from Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of of him to whom we must give account. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything. Now that may be a bit scary to me and you, but he knows everything. That's what all-knowing or omniscient means. He knows everything, and that is because he's almighty God. Another scripture that indicates this. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now we know and we've talked about the fact that God is light. So what does the light do? It shines on everything. And there's no darkness. What does darkness do? It hides everything. Well, this is saying that God knows everything. And that's a part of his holiness. The second characteristic that I will share with you, an attribute, is he has an overwhelming presence in your life. Now, whether I like it, whether you like it, and certainly I hope we like it and I seek to like it, he is there all the time. He is ever-present, overwhelming. He is constant in that because I am and you are his child. And he is our God, our master, our ruler, our Lord. And so some scripture, it says in Deuteronomy 31.8, 
The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now I want you to just think about that for a second. Are you ever at a point, maybe in a difficult time, maybe in a time of grief, maybe in a time of struggle, where you're saying, well, where is God? I just don't know where he is. Well, he's got an overwhelming presence. And we need to worship and know that to be a fact. Because it says there that the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And surely you remember what was said in Matthew 28, verse 20. When, God, when Jesus has already given what we call the Great Commission. He's saying to go into all the world and baptize and make disciples. And then what is the last phrase of, of that passage of Scripture? It says, And surely I am with you always. And I'm going to emphasize that word. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So one of the attributes, one of the holy attributes of Almighty God is he de declares and assures us over and over and over and over that he will always, always, now, always means always. And God does not lie. So I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The third characteristic of attributes that indicates his holiness is that he is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. He does all sorts of things with his power and with his might. And in Revelation 19.6, it says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Or we could even say the Lord God omnipotent or all-powerful reigns because he's all-powerful. And in Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is all-powerful. All things have been created by Almighty God. We need to understand his holiness. The fourth thing, he is infinite. Now what that means is he will never, ever change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will never change. A couple of scriptures there. James 1.17 says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Don't we need, won't, desire deeply something that will not change? That is part of the security because his name is holy and he is holy in his infinite mercy and in his infinite ways. He does not change. He does not change on a whim or on shifting shadows. And then in Malachi 3.6 it says, I the Lord do not change. Now that's a statement in God's word directly from him. The holy Lord, the holy heavenly father that we are praying to and depending on he says I the Lord do not change so you O descendants of Jacob are not destroyed 
So you, O people of King's Grand Baptist Church, are not destroyed. Why? Because the Holy Lord that we pray to does not change. And the fifth uh, characteristic or attribute that is very important to our understanding of God's holiness is that Almighty God is perfect. I'm just going to let you think about that word for a minute. It's hard for us to, uh, to define or to describe because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But we're not talking about you and me. We're talking about a holy, almighty God that is the ruler of all, the creator of all, and in all, he is perfect. And in, even in the Sermon on the Mount, we just looked at this just a couple of weeks ago because in Matthew 5, 48, it says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, we have five attributes there that indicate the holiness of Almighty God. And I'm asking for myself and for you that we consider these things and we think about them when we pray in order to worship him, in order to praise him, in order to give thanks because he is all-knowing. He is, has an overwhelming presence. He is all-powerful. He is infinite, never-changing. And he is perfect. Now, as always, I could say a lot more. <laughs> and we could go back and study these scriptures. And I went through them. I've studied. I've prayed over these. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to give them all these scriptures. And I'd like to spend two or three hours, okay, talking to you about all these scriptures. What I'm going to ask you is, is that you take the, the message that, number one, Almighty God is holy. His name is holy. Your name is holy. And that he, in his holiness, is above us and for us and with us and all of the powerful fact of his face, his characteristics. And when we pray... I'm asking you, he's asking us, the Holy Spirit is asking us to seek his face, to know him. Now, my question to you is, do you know him? Now, you'll have to answer that between you and the Lord. I have to answer that between myself and the Lord. But we've talked a lot here lately about being intimate and passionate with our relationship with our Lord, with Almighty God, with Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Or do you just know things about him? Or do you just know things about church? Now, I love church. I'm so glad we're here. Absolutely. I love the things about the Lord. But do we know him personally, intimately? Deeply, Do you live with him in your spirit? Not just daily, but moment by moment by moment by moment. Do you pray with that sense of wonderment that comes when we have the privilege of knowing the creator of all? Please, 
the fact is that when we practice worship-based prayer, and I conclude with these five things, when we practice worship-based prayer, then number one, God is glorified. Number two, you and I are sanctified. Number three, the church is edified. Number four, the world is mystified. And number five, Satan is notified. Now, thank Daniel Henderson for that. That's not original. But I had to share that with you because it says so much. When we worship the Lord and pray in this kind of spirit, then he is glorified. And you, are, you and I are sanctified. We grow up in our spiritual life. This church is edified. It is lifted up to the, to the place where it needs to be where it should be, where it's God's people and we're being God's people. And number four, that the world is mystified. You want this community to see something powerful, then we pray in holiness, in God's holiness, understanding that then we will mystify the people around us. They won't understand it, but they will want some of what we have. And then finally, Satan is notified. He's notified that there is a power that has already defeated him. And that power is in the holiness of Almighty God and in the holiness and the prayers of God's people right here in this room or in this church. So, worship-based prayer. Jesus said, Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Amen. Let's pray.